story that we love you. And so we're going to open up God's word now. Thank you, worship team, for such a great crowd. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what God has to show us today. And as we move, uh, just we're continuing in the attitude of worship, but we're going to open up uh, the Gospel of Mark. Thank you, Mark. That was so ironic. Um, open up the Gospel of Mark. We've been traveling through, and we're going to get to chapter 4 today. But after walking into that nice time with just soaking in God, I'm going to wake us up a little bit now, okay? All right? We're going to do something a little bit fun. Is fun okay in church? Okay? You guys cool with that? All right. I'm going to do a a little, uh, I guess we call it a listening exercise slash quasi-social experiment. Okay? Uh, Basically, I'm going to play about a a 20-minute, not minute, 20-second portion of a song. Okay? About 20 seconds of a song. I want you not just to listen to what you hear, but pay attention to what is your experience as you hear it. Okay? There are no, I promise, there's no right or wrong answers here. All right? Just, I would listen to what you, not just what you hear, but but how does it move you? Okay? You guys ready? Can you move your neck a little bit like this? All right? Wake up a little bit now. Okay. Go ahead, let's play the first song, How Does It Move You? That was Antonio Vivaldi's composition called Spring in E Major, right? And how many of you, you're like, I just could have listened to that all day. Like, I loved that. When I heard it, I heard the birds chirping outside. I saw the flowers blooming, right? How many of you are like, I was totally indifferent to that. Like, whatever. Like, take it or leave it. Okay, that's honest too. All right, cool. Well, let's play song number two. Go ahead. figure out just from the intro that smells like teen spirit by nirvana which is probably the first time you've ever heard nirvana in church right now for some of you how many of you when you heard that man you heard the raw teenage emotions like it took you back to the good old days of high school college how many of you the only thing you heard was the sound of your head pounding yeah that's fair that's fair all right There's a point to all of this eventually, I promise. But let's listen to two more, okay? Ready? Roll the next one. Here's the good part. You ready for it? friends, is the fight song for the University of Tennessee Volunteers. Now, for me, which I hail from Tennessee, that I, when I hear that, I immediately hear the marching band at Tennessee football games 
and 100,000 fans singing at the top of their lungs. I imagine that going to games with my dad growing up, right? Like, I hear that in a completely different way. Now, I'm guessing for those who, others here who might hear it, but just don't be rude about my song, okay? Just please don't be rude about my song, okay? You ready for the last one? Last one. Here we go. that song needs any introduction. How many of you, mean that just took you back to the glory days? Yeah, or at least took you to Fenway Park in the middle of the eighth inning, hearing Red Sox fans singing that at the top of their lungs. Oh, nothing better. Now, if you've never heard of Neil Diamond, you know, or you've never been to a Fenway in the middle of the eighth, nice song, right? But uh, you're not hearing much more than that, probably. I've even talked to some people after first service. They're like, man, I've grown up in Boston all my life. I am sick of that song. <laughs> like, I can't stand it anymore. But now, I, I played all these songs, right? Because it's interesting to me, it's fascinating to me, how we can all hear or listen to the same thing, but hear something completely different. Right? Isn't that fascinating? To see how, you know, based on, I guess, background or musical preference, we can all hear the same song, yet it moves us in different ways. And my point of all of this is, it's interesting to me that as Jesus came, so many tax collectors, fishermen, religious leaders, so many different types of people, they encountered and heard Jesus, but they all really heard him differently. Have you ever thought about that? Why is it? The two people can hear the message of Jesus, one response changed, and the other completely left indifferent, feeling indifferent. Have you ever th thought about that before? Why is that? Why is it that one person can hear Jesus and be moved to tears while another one just wants to close their ears, right? It, it's completely different responses. And as we, we're going to dive into Mark chapter 4 today. And that's the question that we're going to be exploring, at least here at the beginning is why is it that sometimes we can hear the Word of God, all hear the same thing, yet and some of us respond with deep gratitude and transformation, while others respond just indifferent, can walk out completely unchanged. So we're going to be opening up together to Mark chapter 4, and we'll see that for while music, background, or preference really factor into why we hear it differently, Jesus says the reason why people hear Him differently goes much deeper than that. It's not about preference at all. Mark chapter 4, stand up with me as we read, starting at verse 1. This is the first real block of Jesus' teaching in the gospel of Mark, and it's the parable of the soil and, soils and the sower. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I'll read out loud, we follow. Again, he, speaking Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, everybody say listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How, will then, you, how then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Everybody say unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Lord, I pray that you would find within us hearts willing to not just hear, but really hear your word. May your word move us deeply, not just be simply met with indifference. Lord, thank you that you do not leave us the same, but that you want your seed of life to bear fruit within us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So getting back to that question, have we ever really thought through or wondered, why is it that some people just openly and readily receive the message of Jesus, the Word of God, while others don't? And we saw in the first three chapters of Mark already that we can find fishermen who they hear Jesus, boom, done. They leave their career and follow him. And then you find religious leaders who can't get rid of Jesus fast enough. Two people hear the same thing. One leaves changed, the other not. Why? Now God is the kind of God who patiently spreads his word, but not everyone who hears it takes it in. Now, that may be obvious to us. I already know that. But think about the disciples in the very beginning who were following Jesus. Jesus' public ministry at the beginning of Mark kicks off with a flash. And you see, as the crowds are growing, you got Peter, Andrew, James, John, the other disciples are probably thinking, this is amazing, this is legit, God is real, God has come. But then opposition starts to pick up, right? You have Jesus' own family thinks he's crazy. We talked about this last week. Or the religious leaders think he's a sorcerer. And I can't help but to wonder if maybe some of this opposition started catching his disciples off guard. Have you ever had a moment when maybe you've just come back from a retreat 
or conference. Or maybe God's been doing some amazing things in your life to story. And He's so real to you. And you feel so close to God, so on fire for Jesus. And then you meet some people around you who start to challenge or doubt or question some of what you're feeling. Have you ever wondered in that moment, well, am I wrong? Is the word I'm believing wrong? Is it Maybe Jesus isn't what I think. But see, when conflict arises, Jesus knew that some would believe and some would not. That did not catch him off guard. But he says that the reason for that is, has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with his word. He says the problem with unbelief has to do with your human heart. Not with what you have, not with him. And we see already that there are many people who come to Jesus, but they come to him for a variety of reasons. Not everybody who showed up to Jesus came to him because they really wanted to follow him with their lives. Some of them came to get something from him, or some of them wanted to treat him just like a genie, right? Or maybe to oppose him. And this is the reason why Jesus taught using something called parables. In order to genuinely separate those who honestly sought him from those who were coming to him for other reasons, he used this thing called parables. Let me try my best to explain. First off, what is a parable? A parable is a metaphor or story involving ordinary daily aspects of life used to illustrate a deeper reality. All right? So in this parable, There's a parable about what? Farmers, seed, soil. These were relatable, everyday, ordinary things that Jesus' listeners would have encountered. If Jesus had a parable today, what would it be about? I don't know, iPhones, cars, right? Like, what is something that we encounter every day? But, But for them, it was about agriculture. So he's using these things, but he's not telling them the story to give them farming advice. But in order to open up for them a spiritual reality, or as Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how the kingdom of God works. But here's, here's the twist, okay? And I want, you, I want you to get this with me. Because parables aren't just earthly stories about heavenly realities. They're earthly stories about heavenly realities that only those who are seeking Jesus will hear and understand. Alright? Jesus used parables to illuminate the reality of God for those honestly seeking Him. Let me try to make this plain. This has happened to me a couple times. I've been in the car with my kids, and we are listening to bumping music. Right? Like, we find just something with a beat, and we're all jamming out. Like, it, it is great. But then, being a responsible parent... I decided, well, maybe I should listen to what the lyrics are really about for this song. You ever been there? Yeah? And all of a sudden you're like, you can't turn this off fast enough, right? Because there's a difference between hearing and really hearing something, right? And and Jesus, when he's teaching about parables of the the soil, those who aren't really interested in following him are going to hear the parable and go, what's he talking about? I don't know. I guess he's giving farming advice. But those who really want to understand will lean in and say, 
help me dig in deeper. I, I need to understand what it is that Jesus is saying. And so it's exactly, it's to his disciples and there's others. He unpacks the meaning of it after they do what? Ask. You see, sometimes we think that faith and growing in our faith is something that's just, I don't know, like it's just going to happen. And we fail to see that, no, actually sometimes God wants us to dig in and study His Word for ourselves. Some things are God reveals to us when we take that initial step and say, I need you to show me. And so when he, the disciples asked Jesus for understanding, He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Now, secret here doesn't mean that it's, it's so hard to understand. Secret here means that it's just hidden, and let me just show you. All right, you don't have to be a rocket scientist in order to understand this. You don't have to be a religious leader, but I'm going to show you. The secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, meaning those not following Jesus, everything will just appear to be in parables to them. And here's the reality. The truth and grace of God is available for everyone, but he will not force it on anyone. You tracking with me? You guys with me? Quoting Isaiah, Jesus adds that those who don't want to follow him may indeed see, but not perceive, hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What does that mean? First off, Jesus is not saying that God is trying to keep his forgiveness back from some people over others, or that he has pre-planned, ah, sorry, you guys are out, but I'm really going to make sure you guys hear right? That's not what this verse is saying. But what this verse is communicating is Jesus is just simply recognizing that I can come and share my word across a whole group, but some will receive it and some will simply not. You see in the parable that God is the one who takes his seed of his word and he's spreading it all over the place. But he recognizes that some receive it and some don't. And Jesus is even saying, he's like, I want you to get this. He starts the parable by saying, listen, <laughs> listen. How can I highlight that this is important? Listen. And then he even ends with those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. God wants you to receive his forgiveness. He wants you to hear this. But he's not going to force his love on it. He's not going to force you to love him back. So he continues patiently sowing, patiently singing his song of forgiveness, waiting for those who will receive it. And for those who are indifferent to Jesus, this parable is meant to be a wake-up call. And for those who have been working hard, right, trying to be faithful to Jesus, sharing his word, living for him, but trying, trying to live the, faithfully to how he's called us to live, this is meant to be an encouragement to you. Because if you're somebody who's discouraged, you're feeling like, I'm just not seeing the fruit. I'm not seeing the, the effect of what any of my work is doing right now. Jesus is saying, it's not because of you. It's not because you're, you, you, the word you got is wrong. But I haven't prepared their hearts yet. So now, let's dig into this parable a bit, okay? Let's actually open up. What is it that Jesus is saying? Because as what he wants us to see is to understand why it is that some hearts have a hard time receiving the Word of God. This is not saying that these hearts are hopeless. 
but he's telling us the condition of certain hearts. So why is it that some people can hear the message of Jesus, every Sunday even, and still walk away unchanged? So with the first three soils, Jesus illustrates how we can hear his word but remain unchanged. Now, in the parables, God is clearly, he's depicted as the farmer who's casting his seed across the whole domain, of the whole landscape of his domain, right? And each seed, though small and insignificant, is latent with life. But who can receive it? And why is it that some can't? Well, Jesus says, well, first, let me lay out the first group for you. First, he says, the farmer casts seed on the hardened soil of the path, and it just bounces off of the birds, steal it. See, in Jesus' day, they cultivated their crops in strips of land. And between each strip of land was a path. And that path was traveled by the farmer's feet, by oxen feet, other animals. But just over time, that that soil has just been packed down hard. So when you try to throw seed on it, it just bounces right off. It doesn't actually go in deep. But the hard soil are those who treat God and spiritual things as irrelevant to their lives. This might be the person who, when they wake up in the morning, they're just, they're just thinking about their next vacation, thinking about the next ball game, thinking about the next beer, right? They're thinking about, I don't know, not, they're not thinking about the meaning of life and trying to understand their purpose on earth. It's just, I don't know, like, what's the next thing? Or perhaps they're just too busy to care, to have time to think about those deep things of the soul. Or perhaps the hardened soil might be even like the scribes in Jesus' day, where they have certain distortions of reality or certain, certain needs to be important, that, that they feel like anything that comes from Jesus is a threat to them. Or they have certain prejudices or distortions of the truth that keep them from being able to hear anything that is said. So when the word of life comes, it's simply stolen away. And my question is, well, why would the, the farmer waste perfectly good seed on hard soil? But in the first century, the way they cultivated their field is they would sow seed first, and then they would come through with a plow later. And the plow is what they would use to finally dig up even the hard ground. And for some, with that hardened heart where God and the message of Jesus, that's just irrelevant to my life, I don't care. Maybe not even hostile to it, I'm just indifferent. Sometimes that's exactly what God does in kindness as he comes right through the middle of their lives. Maybe even introducing stress or pain or difficulty into their lives in order to awaken their heart to their need for Him. Or someone told me after first service today that, that sometimes it's been proven that some seeds can sit upon a hard soil for seven years, waiting for the day when all the conditions of the sun, the soil, the rain, you know, all, the rain is perfect. God doesn't give up even on the hardest of hearts, guys. That's my point. And even when he allows pain or difficulty, that plow comes right through the middle of someone's life, it's his mercy and kindness that's bringing it about to ultimately soften our hearts. But as C.S. Lewis said, 
The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of man. If He does it, it's always that we might receive His life. That's the hard soil. Second, He casts seed on the rocky soil. But the seed shoots up and dies from lack of roots. Now, soil in that day, get the picture up here. The rocky soil, you can see, has about two to three inches of actually good soil on top, but everything underneath is limestone bedrock. And what happens when the sun beats down on soil like this is because of the rock, it heats up quickly. So if you're a seed in that top layer, you feel the heat, and like, boom, time to open up, and you sprout up quick. But then when your roots try to go down, you're stuck. You can't go deep anymore. And so as the sun continues to beat down, eventually the plant withers and dies because it has no root foundation. And see, this is a picture for Jesus of those who receive him in a flash of emotion, but do not allow him to infiltrate their minds or wills. It says that Jesus says these are those who receive it with joy. They may even tell others about Jesus. They may be passionate about Jesus. From everything on the outside, we're thinking, whoa, this person's on fire. But then they have no roots. What does that mean? See, some who build their faith on emotion alone will not stand when the emotional high goes low. When the difficulty comes and they are no longer feeling good, sometimes they can feel as if God left them. And this is exactly why what is, we are meant to ground our faith deep, not only in our emotions, but within our minds and in our lifestyle. That following Jesus is meant to be something that we wrestle with God's Word and we try to understand what, dig into it for ourselves. And that we learn to allow our habits to be changed over time. And this is part of what allows us to stand up when the heat and so anytime we, we, we share the gospel with somebody, we should not be afraid to also be honest with them. Say, yeah, hey, Jesus, like life with Jesus is amazing, but it does come with a cost. It does mean that you give your whole self to him. And recognize that when someone comes and they're a new Christian, how important it is that we have someone or some way to walk alongside of them so that they learn to dig into God's word for themselves. Because tough times can actually deepen and strengthen our faith, can't it? If our roots are deep within His Word and our lifestyles have been changed by Him. You guys still tracking with me? All right, all right. Hardened soil, rocky soil. Third, they have the soil with thorny weeds. Now to give you... Again, these are things that all of Jesus' listeners would have known already. But for us, a farmer in that day, before they would scatter seed, would often burn their fields. Burn anything that had grown on the top, they would just burn the whole top of it to prepare it. But some places, there would still, even though the weeds on top were burned, the roots were still lying under the surface of the soil. And so they would cast the seed, plow, water, and when they water the weed would also grow up alongside the good plant and ultimately choke out its life. 
it would become soil in competition, right? Two things in competition fighting for nourishment in that person's heart. See, the soil with thorny weeds is a divided heart. Jesus says the cares of the world, which can also be translated the distractions of this age, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves what? Unfruitful. Unfruitful. And this soil is a picture of those who are, I love Jesus on Sunday, and asking, what can the world give me on Monday? In Mark chapter 10, we're going to meet a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. Gung-ho, show me what to do. I'm on board. Jesus says, I want you to give me the competition in your heart, which was his wealth. That other thing in your life that's competing for your affection and your worship and your attention, I want you to give that to me, which in his case was his money. But he couldn't do it. And as a result of that, does he experience the peace which surpasses all understanding from Jesus? No, he can't. Because his heart is in conflict. And see, sometimes when we, continue, when we insist on holding on to the other things in our hearts that are competing with the affection and the worship of our lives, we think it's because it actually makes our lives better. But what, in reality, it actually makes our lives more at war. The divided heart of the rich young ruler walks away disappointed, sad, at war with himself. But also, trying to serve two masters at once is a recipe for a fruitless life. I don't need to tell you guys that we live in the most distracted time in history. (laughs) I think you know that, right? We all get that. But this is also one of the reasons why it's vital that we learn as the people of God to develop a rhythm of what I like to call spiritual weed pulling. That we have regular times in our day or our weeks where we come to God and we just say, search me. Is there anything that's growing in my heart that I'm giving all sorts of time, energy, mental space to that's outdoing my love for you? That we practice acknowledging that, but then say, God, I confess that. Would you pull that up? Pull that up. So that there's nothing else competing with him in our hearts. You know, it's funny, in high school, I had a few relationships that I knew God didn't want me to be in. And the day that I finally said, okay, God, and broke off the relationship, <laughs> correction, they broke it off with me. Um, when I finally broke it off, they broke it off. When I, <laughs> that, it's amazing how quickly my faith began to grow. Because all of a sudden there was nothing else competing with the love of God in my life. Pulling weeds is not fun work, but it is what frees us to be fully His. And as we walk through these seasons and God may plow our hearts, or He may teach us to go deep down and study His Word, Or, he may teach us how to pull weeds in our hearts. The shocking twist and the beauty of it all is that when the sower's seed has truly taken root within us, 
we become a sower of seed. Check 4, verse 20. To those who hear and accept the word of God without competition, that they bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold, which was an ideal harvest in that time. So what is this word that we're receiving exactly? Well, just as a seed, when it goes down into the dark of the soil, it must die before it can sprout new life. So our God entered the darkness of our world. He came and he died, that he rose again in new life. And he says, and the promise and the gospel news, the good news is, is that when we open our hearts and receive that, his life becomes our lives. And he begins to bring new birth and new life within us. His character, his love, his peace, his joy start to become ours. And what's the result when our hearts are singularly set on him? What's the result of that? Well, think about what was the main difference between the last soil and all the other three? What was the big difference? Fruit. Fruit. What is fruit? It is the very character and work of Jesus evident in our lives. See, the focus of this parable, good evangelical Christians, is not just how can we get you saved. It's do our lives bear the evidence of the life of Jesus within us. It's not just how, am I going to heaven? It's are we living in, with the full life of Jesus in us here and now? And here's the thing. When our lives start bearing fruit, what is within the fruit? More seeds. Those who bear fruit begin to become the sower of seed. And when we're bearing the fruit of Jesus, we become sowers of his word also. If you didn't know, today is Pentecost Sunday, which is the day that we're joining with Christians from across the world, remembering that event that described in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit poured himself out upon the church in Jerusalem. And those first people of God, they all of a sudden they took the word of Jesus out into their neighborhoods and to the ends of the earth. Then on Pentecost Sunday was the day that we saw the Spirit of God came, was planted within them. They bore the fruit of it, and they spread his word out. And the reason why this whole thing, that we're, you know, the thing we're a part of right now, this movement of Jesus began 2,000 years ago. We're still a part of that. But the success of that, if you, if you use that word, is not because the church has always had the best marketing groups, or we've always had the most impressive speakers, or the biggest or the best events. The success of that was simply because God's people opened their hearts to him and had ears to hear what it is that he had to say and were willing to just respond and say yes. It is faithfulness that has moved the, the mission of God, the kingdom of God forward. It is not our talent or how smart we are or anything else. And the good news of that means that every single one of us can open our hearts to him and every single one of us can see fruit bore out in our lives. And that no matter how many difficulties or trials we face, when we open up our hearts to Jesus, we can be a part of spreading the seed of his word, and we can trust him to grow. God's doing things like growth. Jesus calls us to be faithful. The life of Jesus lies hidden within his word, waiting for all to reveal 
Testament. It means this. In 1929, a man, a medical missionary named Dr. William Leslie returned to the U.S., a discouraged man. He had just spent 17 years in a remote corner of the Democratic Republic of Congo trying to, the best he could, minister to, care for these remote people called the Yancey people in the dense jungles there. 17 years. He endured tropical illness, charging buffaloes, armies of ants, right? Like leopard-infested jungles just to bring the Word of God to these people who had never heard it before. But because of some difficulties he was facing, he had to leave after 17 years because he never saw the fruit of his work that he had hoped to see. And so he felt discouraged, and he even died thinking that he failed. Well, 11 years ago, in 2010, a team led by a guy named Eric Ramsey went to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And they went through the dense jungles to try to figure out what was going on in this part of the world, not knowing what to expect. But in turn, they made a remarkable discovery. They found there the Yancey people had eight villages across a 34-mile area And every village had its own reproducing church. Every village had their own gospel choir that wrote songs in their own native language, and they were singing them across the various villages in that area to Jesus. An indigenous, native, this wasn't like Western culture planted. This was the, the, the natural result of what happens when the gospel is planted within that culture. And as... Eric Ramsey and his team began to dig and do some research, he found out that all of this traced back to William Leslie, 90 years before. Please, we cannot overestimate the effect of just faithfulness. When we, even if we don't see the effect of it in our lifetime, God is the kind of God who loves to multiply the fruit of our faithfulness. That even I'm speaking especially to those in here who feel discouraged. Like you've been in, you lived in New England a long time. You've been following Jesus in New England a long time. And, and you feel like, man, like this soil is hard. I just don't know if I can keep going some days. Don't overestimate the effect of faithfulness. We just walked through a hard year where, I mean, as pastors, like, I'm like, Jesus, like, this is exhausting, right? Like, like, where's the fruit? And what I hear him saying is, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep being faithful, just be faithful and trust the growth to me. I will bring it about in my time. New England is not too hard for Christ. No soil is too hard for Jesus. And he is going to do it in his timing. But we continue to be faithful. And if, you know, if you're not seeing the fruit, don't take that as a sign from God that we just need to stop. As long as we are here, we're going to continue to preach Jesus. We're going to continue to live the life of Jesus and say, just show me how my life can bear fruit. May nothing compete with you in my heart. May I dig deep into your word. And if you need to plow up something that's too hard for you to work in, Lord, it's going to be painful, but will you do it because I trust you?
The life of Jesus lies hidden within his word, waiting for all who yield to it. Stand with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray to any of those in here who are discouraged right now, who feel like, they, man, life just feels like it's not fruitful, or they're wondering about their purpose, or they're wondering if they're doing enough, or they're wondering, ah, Jesus, like, I'm trying my best, I'm not seeing anything. May you just encourage them. May you build them up in this moment to know that if we are being faithful, that is enough. Jesus, you never asked me to make people grow. You just asked me to share your word. And that is all you ask from anybody in here. God, will you just show us how to be faithful to you? With the people you place around us, in the spheres where you, where you place us, in our families, in our workplaces. Show us how to be and Lord, even when you're doing some painful plowing, or you're pulling up weeds in our lives, or you're teaching us how to understand, like, really dig into your word, it's kind of hard for us. May, may you give us grace and strength to just keep going. Knowing that, Lord, you have a harvest ahead in this world that is greater than anything we can imagine. And we may never know until